0: This is Two Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, Europe chasing United need to drink up three points from the well on Saturday. And McGee keeps his kit on, but the naked truth is, D are Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Two Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy podcasting with me this week as usual are George Cran. Hello. Alan Temple. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello everyone. Right we'll start with the positive this week which after the past seven days has been (laughs) difficult to find the positive. But Alan, a win for Dundee United against Motherwell and they're on course for that European slot.
1: Absolutely. It shows how low the bar is on this show that (laughs) the aftermath of a home defeat can be characterised as a positive. But no, absolutely. Um, uh, It's now a little bit later on in the week. Time to regroup, find a little bit of perspective and take away that, that disappointment of the defeat against Hearts and accept that... Although they did tick off games against both sides of the old firm, Ross County or Motherwell didn't gain any ground on Dundee United and it remains very much in Dundee United's hand. A home win against a really ordinary Motherwell side. I mean, let's not beat around the bush in that. The record in 2022 is absolutely atrocious and would be relegation form if it hadn't been the For Dundee. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's uh, the should absolutely be looking to go out there and dominate the game against Motherwell. It also represents the last time Dundee United actually won a home game um, was against Motherwell when they won 2-0. So there should be every reason for confidence, every uh, belief that they can go out there and get three points. And given the lack of consistency that Motherwell and Ross County have both shown, that three points could be really, really valuable um, because I don't see uh, Ross County or Motherwell picking up too many clear victories during this top six section. So, um, yeah, we we can't really overestimate just how important this game is for Dundee United. Not just in terms of European qualification, but just in terms of getting a little bit of positivity uh, back about the place. Because, as we well know in this room, um, it can be very much... Soaring highs or, or plumbing depths when it comes to Dundee United, there, there's very really, really any middle ground in the view of many fans, and uh, a little bit of positivity after a win against Motherwell would go uh, would be just the ticket for for Tam Courts. And bear, there's a
0: there is a bit of pressure on United after losing at Hearts because they've got the old firm back to back after this. So if they don't if they don't win this one, they might be struggling yeah. a bit.
2: Yeah, you're right. There's a bit of pressure on them from their their own fans, I think. There's a bit of disgruntlement. Um, My big concern for United at the moment is they've started Shell and Goldstar. You know, earlier on the season, they looked tight, the defence looked solid, the keeper looked solid. They never looked like giving too much away at all. But in in recent weeks, that has turned, (laughs) as it often does in football. And it's difficult to to put your finger on exactly where it's going on because the personnel is pretty much the same Obviously, the absence of Callum Butcher, I think, can't be understated. He, he sits normally just in front of the back four and, and gives that added protection. But it shouldn't really go down to one man. And, and you know, they need to they need to shake themselves up pretty quickly. What I would say is, Alan's right. They're, they're a, they've got the advantage that they've got a one point gap at this point in time in their own mini league with Motherwell and Ross County. Um, if they can get that win, that would obviously take them to a four point gap, Now, Motherwell have still got to play Celtic. Now you wouldn't expect them to get much on Celtic on the run. That only leaves them two games to get past United, you know, effectively. I and mean, obviously, you know, there's a bit of conjecture there, but it makes it very, very tough for Motherwell. But United need to look after after themselves, Tom, and uh, get back on on the, the defensive resilience that they showed earlier on in the campaign. Um, Motherwell have been a funny side for me when I've, I've watched them I've seen them a lot playing against Dundee I've got to say and they, they didn't impress me at all right through the start of the season but obviously you, you've got to take into account in the first half of the season You had Tony Watts goals which, which I mean can't be understated how many points that, that earned Motherwell that has gone but fair play to Graham Alexander he still managed still managed even though the form has been poor he still managed to get them into that top six and you know well. Well, they're maybe not playing that great. They they can play with a bit of freedom. They have got a few a few talented players in there. I like Connor Shield, you know, and they've got one or two others there as well that, that, that can do a can do a job. So, you know, United need to do it for themselves in front of their own fans and and, and get those three points and, and and put themselves really you know really in the driving seat for that European slot.
0: And George, does extra pressure come from the fact Beard mentioned Motherwell there? Motherwell, the team that's in the top six, because Aberdeen, Livingston, and someone made a mess.
3: Probably because Motherwell made a mess as well, but somehow uh, managed to get <laughs> was, through. Was,
0: it, was it, what, is it one win since the turn of the year, yes. or something bizarre? Or since the break, rather. Yeah, uh, something bizarre like that. Yeah. They got in the top six.
3: <laughs> it shows that's how smacks good to, of a great league. Yeah, well, it shows how good they were in the, the first half of the season. The Bears are completely right, but Tony Watt has scored a lot of goals for them. Um... Uh, I like Van Veen as well though I think he's a a lot of teams would take him I think he adds a lot to Mullerwell but United should be favourites because they're a better team than Mullerwell I'd say that I've seen Mullerwell as well and they don't play great stuff but they seem to be able to get results or they did in the first half of the season anyway Um, so there is a danger there but it's all in United's hands uh, to take to basically take Mallow out of the equation effectively um although I, i'm a, a lot the same as Bear, i'm a bit worried that they're shipping goals i mean hearts are the third best team in the league by a distance as the table tells us but it, it ended up being kind of the opposite of what we've seen from united all season they've struggled a bit in attack but at the weekend they showed real quality in the goals they scored yeah and then amazing, isn't it? they've been really strong at the back and it was Fairly straightforward stuff that they didn't deal with with Harts. So balls through the defence and balls over the top that runners weren't tracked and stuff like that. Um, so you'd think though that in a big game like this that'll kind of focus the minds of uh, the defence and the, the whole team together. Speaking to Lee Wilkie for his column, so he he suggested that he thought United maybe looked a bit tired just in the way they were defending and, and stuff you'd think that'll go out the window in a big game like this where they know the prize is on offer and it's up to them to go and take it.
0: Alan, oh, what is wrong with the defence? Or the defending? Because one thing about United, especially earlier in the season, they defended very well from front to back.
1: I think we see a lot of clubs when they try to shift perspective to being more expansive and dominating the ball and creating more chances just due to the the sheer numbers that the, you attempt to get in front of the, uh, you know, you attempt to get in the final third, that that can make the defence a little bit weaker. Tam Courts has spoken about how he's wanted to get the team creating more chances, wants to get rid of that um, perception that Dundee United are a bit of a functional, uh, occasionally, you know, occasionally dull to watch team that doesn't create a whole host of chances. In doing that, perhaps he's lost a little bit of that stability. I, I spoke to to Tam on on Tuesday and he he made the point that looking forward, while they still do want to create chances, while they still do want to be a little bit more forthright in the final third, they need to get back to doing what they were doing well, which as you say is being um, structured, defending well from the front, tracking runners and I think the personnel, I do have some sympathy with United in terms of personnel because the central midfield area has been somewhat decimated, and you looked at that Hearts game, and at times they were walking through the centre of midfield, and mm. it would be incredibly maddening for the the supporters. But at the same time, you you play the hand that you've got, and without both Kevin MacDonald and Callum Butcher, as well as ongoing injuries to Peter Pawlett, Ian Harks, there's not a great deal of teams out with. You know, Rangers, Celtic, and and perhaps Hearts that could cope with that many injuries to key players in the same area of the pitch. So, you're in, in a position where and absolutely would not want to criticise young lads just making their way in the game, but if you're looking to get a vital win against the third best team in the country, you probably wouldn't necessarily be starting Chris Mockery or bringing an Archie Mckesson on. Um, and young Archie, a fantastic young talent, but obviously it's him that, that loses the ball trying to perhaps make something happen that wasn't on uh, in the, the, the final stages of that hearts match. So I think personnel is an issue and... It would be a big boost if Kevin McDonald could be back for the weekend because, although he might not have the legs of that young whippersnapper cutting about Dens Park back in the day, he is still so intelligent and he knows so where much understand. knows he, exactly. He knows where. I mean, that sounds that sounds like we're being simplistic, but that's exactly it. He knows where to be, and he'll uh, recycle and retain possession and not do anything silly, which allows teams to break on you and cut through a midfield that's maybe not quite got the combative streak that you would like. So. Yeah, it's a uh, circuitous way to, to answer the question, which is uh, they need to find that a balance. That means boot, <laughs> they, uh, they need to find a balance and also could do with getting some pretty key midfielders back in that team.
0: Yeah, Baird, I mean, Alan mentioned the young players there, and it's maybe a fair point to make. Tam Courts has been great at introducing youngsters, but like any manager, he'll know He'll want to pick those times when he's forced to do it. He'll no, he won't be as comfortable bringing them in.
2: Yeah, but right through the season he's done it to I me. Mean, we've seen, you know, half a dozen youngsters appear from nowhere out of the reserves. You've never heard the names until they're actually on the team sheet and suddenly they're on the park. It's like he He has a schedule for these young lads, and they are all going to get their opportunities. I mean, it's like
0: we we tend, the media would tend to go, oh, you introduced a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old at Ibrox or Parkhead. But that's through choice. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you're playing. A lot of managers would probably say, you don't want to have to play a kid when you're saying, we've got to win today
2: that's right you're right uh, you could go back years and years when the last few games of the season would be um, to get youngsters introduced. if you were sitting pretty and you know the games were relatively meaningless but they're not meaningless for United uh-huh. we're talking we're talking European football we're talking major major finance here for them yeah, for next season and I've got to say we're talking for and you, a great
0: trip for the yeah, players yeah
2: exactly and
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> the journalist <laughs> um,
2: but we're talking we're talking brownie points for Tam Courts because yeah. as well as he has done this season, mm. and he has been, I, I was speaking to somebody just before we started this podcast, and I said Tam Courts was favourites to get the bullet before a ball was kicked in the Premier the first to be the first manager to be sacked. Now, there's quite a few managers have gone, as we well know, <laughs> on this podcast, but it's, Tam Courts isn't one of them. But he's got United into the top six. But see if United finish sixth. I think the fans could a, a big section of the support could turn on Tam Courts for not getting them into European football. Yeah, is he's is that under part of himself
0: for any of you, is that part of the learning process for Tam Courts as Dundee United manager, is the expectation fans have, and whether it's whether it's entirely realistic or not, it exists, and he has to live with that.
2: Yeah, it, it can be a good thing because it could it could push him harder. He knows what, and and consequently he pushes his players harder to, to get results, you know, in games. But it could also be a bad thing and as much as it puts pressure on you. You know, but wherever Tam coach goes in football, there's always going to be pressure. As a manager, it's, you know, it's not it's not a long-term job prospect managing a football team. So, you know, he's while well, he's done relatively well this season, the next, you know, the next four games are going to define how, you know, the summer months are for Tom. Um, they, they could be looking at a nice, a nice European set, and obviously getting built up for that. Or it could be, you know, a summer uh, laden with a bit of stick from the fans because he didn't get them into that that final. Uh, You'll know, get them over the line for European football. So it was both ways, I think. And Tam Courts has to handle that.
0: George, you're watching Dundee struggle at the bottom every week. It's can good you, fun. Can yeah. you
2: un- <laughs> can you
0: understand the the United fans? at times, or a section of them the frustration they have because it looks pretty rosy from where Dundee
3: are. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Um, But no, I I can understand it because generally they've been brought up on United being top four-ish probably most of the time. Um, Certainly when I came to the City, United were quite easily the, the fourth... Top in the top four in the the top flight and playing some really exciting stuff. I think that adds to the the, the stuff that the fans are seeing isn't quite to the level of that. Um, it's a wee bit more boring, I guess, in terms of attacking wise and uh, scoring goals. As we've said, um, I can. It's never going to go go away, though, is it? the expectation so that is something that Tom Kors is Our just going to have to deal Bears with they are still waiting for Dundee to win the league <laughs> yeah. just so make it's only been a, 60 make years make a point
2: on that George as well just, just looking at it the expectation is higher because United are, are in, a, in a mini league with Ross County and Motherwell now if they were in a yeah. mini league with Aberdeen and Hibbs yep and might be, you know, the might, fans might give them a bit of slack. But this is a reality yeah. of life, you know. And so, that, so the, so the right expectation, the will finish in the European slot. And, and there's,
3: there's yeah. also that worry that you are the sixth team in that, or the third team in that three-team yeah. league that is the only team that misses out on a European slot. Um, another thing I, I, I think they need to be wary of, and we've seen this with a few teams that get into the top six, is not picking up any wins in that last five games because that can carry on and and carry into the next season we've we've seen that before with with teams I think Partick might have done that when they got top six they've not stopped going down since then near enough so um, they need they just need a wee bit of can't believe you're mentioning the championship I know Um, neither can I
0: (laughs) who
1: Um,
3: but no I, I think they just need a wee bit of wee bit of success This weekend would be the perfect time to do it. Yep.
0: And Alan, you mentioned Kevin McDonald. Is he going to be fit?
1: I think they'll certainly give him every possible chance. He trained on Tuesday, um, but Tamcourt's acknowledged that he wasn't 100%. But basically, Kevin said, I want to... I want to play through the pain, I want to see where I am, and I want to give myself the best possible chance to be involved, which um, when you're the age that Kevin is now and you've had the career that Kevin is, that just absolutely speaks volume for his professionalism and uh, the realisation of what a big week this is for Dundee United. And as we touched on earlier, I think McDonald, his availability or otherwise could be really, key um, in this Muddewell match because if nothing else, Muddewell will seek to turn it into a midfield battleground. They'll fight and scrap for everything every second ball and Dundee United need a, uh, a capable uh, three, as it's likely to be, uh, in that midfield area to to battle, to fight and to, to make sure they don't get overrun or played through, which was an alarming theme uh, as that Hearts game progressed.
0: And ever positive. Is he going to be there next year playing in Europe and who's going to be joining him? Because the speculation started.
1: Yeah. Um in terms of whether he will be here next season, um I'm not sure Kevin McDonald has shown Enough if you were to take him in isolation without considering his career that's gone before him to say you need to give that guy a new deal. But knowing who Kevin McDonald is, knowing the influence he has in the dressing room, the pedigree he's got, and the quality he could bring, if he does get back up to full speed, then you'd perhaps be saying, Yeah, you know what, you would perhaps give him another deal, just even if it is 20 25 games a season, particularly if it is going to be a European campaign and you might have some additional fixtures to factor in through there. So, um. <laughs> that that's probably maybe eye maybe no isn't it? That's, <laughs> I don't know how useful that is as an answer. But if it's my decision, well let's put it this way: if I'm Tony Ascar, I keep Kevin McDonald for another year. That's that would just be my perception because I think there's a lot more to football than just that ninety minutes on the pitch every weekend. So that would be uh, providing the finances uh, stack up, I would keep Kevin McDonald. And in terms of. Who else is going to join them? I think it's probably one of the worst kept secrets now that there is an interest in Alan Forrest, but Dundee United are far from the only team that's interested in Alan Forrest. And if you're looking at who's got a strong hand, Hearts have got a mighty old strong hand if they are if they follow up their interest in the player. So Tamcourt said this week that no formal contract offers have been presented, that the wording was interesting. That doesn't necessarily say that they haven't said are you interested in coming to us here's roughly what we could pay you and here's roughly what the terms would be but not presenting a bit of paper in front of them there's nothing to say that that hasn't happened but um tamcourt says they've been they're looking to be proactive in the transfer window and I think there's a uh, there's a contentment at Tannadice that they've got their top six place assured and whilst they don't quite know whether they'll be in Europe or not, there's certainly enough comfort in that position that they feel that they can go out and start talking to agents, start narrowing down that short list and I think they've got a really good idea in terms of what they would like the makeup of their squad to look like but um, in terms of actually getting you know names on dotted lines that are not quite there just yet.
0: And, George, just briefly, going back to Kevin MacDonald, I mean, for us, sentiment plays a big part. We'd love to see him stay in the city and, and, and get a contract, but it's a business, isn't it? And <laughs> Maybe if he plays the next four games, improves his fitness, and proves that you can, you know, play
3: regularly, you, you might get it done. Yeah, well, that's always the or worry. Or he might get another club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's always the worry. that player at that age, and obviously has uh the kind of Situation. health issues health issues that he's had how many games you might get out of him, but it was worth the gamble in the winter. It, I, I but can't Bundy man- didn't take it and you were oh sorry, bitter. <laughs> I, I get the feeling it would be a really short term thinking of, of whether to give him the content I'm not explaining this very well, but I think they'll wait right until the very last
0: Remember, you're playing for a contract as well.
3: <laughs> I, I I get the feeling that, not knowing the player or anything, but I, I would get the feeling that he would think and the club would probably wait until right at the very end of the season before they, re- like, they can really see where he's at for next season. Whether it's going to be... Whether he wants to continue, he might just decide, right, I've made it back. i played a few games. I've shown I can do it. But I'll, may, I'll maybe just call it a yeah. day. Or he, maybe he's got a taste for it now and he t- thinks, well, I, I can... Get back to something like my best uh, next season with United.
2: Maybe maybe a, a, a good pre-season training session will yeah. yeah. help as well. You know, forget that. You know, he's, he's come back and he's trying to build himself up to fitness, but a good summer yeah. working hard. That obviously the age he's at, he's not going to be. Pounding, you know, the miles and, and clocking up big distances and that, but get himself in a, in a situation where he's he's, he's really mm-hmm. on the ball, ready to go again. Uh-huh.
3: But then there might there might be a position for United to wait for yeah. that as well to yeah. see how to he see does it. in pre season yeah. before gets the offer or contract. It depends what other interest might be out there. But I I get the feeling that it might just be a later one in the at the end of the season towards the start of next season. And understandably so,
0: after this. It's time for gloom, doom, and doom. Right, time for Dundee, and I think the first thing we should say, George, is you should never ever give up hope. Are Dundee going to win the championship next
3: year? <laughs> I think they're in a good position. Actually, <laughs> uh, they've set uh, themselves up nicely. Yeah, <laughs> they're, at, uh, they're at the top of it at the moment. <laughs> 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 um.
0: Is it over, George? The draw with St. John'son
3: was a that was the chance must win. It, it was must win, and everybody said it was must win. The, the manager and the players, the uh, dafties like me, writing in papers. We, we all said it was must win, and they didn't win the must win game. Um, and afterwards, they said oh, it, was, it was sort of must. So <laughs> <laughs> no, you kind of change it, but yeah, they're, they're, they're up against the wall now. Um, Aberdeen is now the, the, the. There might be a sliver of hope if they can see off Aberdeen that weekend, but they have to hope that St Johnson don't pick up a result. That's the position they're in now. They they need favours from everybody else, but they also need to beat all these teams that they're expecting favours of. It's,
0: and it's what they don't do.
3: Yeah. Um, I think John Marshall said after the game that they basically need to win the last four games. And I had a look back, quite a long look back through all the history books. And the last time Dundee did that in the top flight was 1999 when Jockey Scott was manager. So tells you how hard that is. Blank look, George. <laughs> <laughs> you were d- probably there. I had to, I, you know what I was? <laughs>
0: and I can't remember. When they
3: finished in the top flight. What five. day is it? Yeah. So that was, that's how long ago Dundee managed to do that. Um, so they're right up against it. It's still possible. Five points. It's unlikely. You're just You're dying a death here <laughs> avoiding saying <laughs> they're doomed. Because they're so, not they're not mathematically down, but they're in spirit maybe they are. <laughs> this is why I've always trusted Bear. Bear. They're dune. Well, See I'm being I'm being, I'm
0: being selfish <laughs> now cause that, that, it's, I know it's a four letter word but
2: it's a Dundee a word Have you a Dundee fan um, a long, a long like, standing Dundee fan like myself yes that are heading towards the championship but mathematically <laughs> and exactly. looking at the table they can still go past the teams above them. they can or certainly one team above them but no, By the way, Alan, these things they're holding in their hands are
0: called <laughs> straws. They're clutching at them.
3: It's great. It's I, just, I, I, I'm just desperate for something else yeah. to write over the next couple of weeks, that's that.
2: But yeah, I mean they also need St. Johnston to, to struggle big big time blow in the up last properly,
3: few properly. Yeah. Well, so, well,
2: to digress for a moment, I d I don't want to sort of be sort of
0: a bit a bitter Dundee fan, but um did some one thing that last Saturday showed St. Johnston even finishing second bottom, they're not assured of their place no. in the Premier League.
2: I've, I've got to say, I thought St. Johnston missed a trick last week. I thought uh, certainly Dundee started the brighter. In the first 20 minutes, they were excellent. They got at St. Johnston. They played some lovely football. The goal was a well-worked move. And it looked really positive, but as we've seen so often in the past in games, Dundee just last, simply didn't. can't maintain that over the course of hmm. 90 minutes. And not even 90 minutes, they, they, they couldn't maintain it to half time. By the time it got to half time, St Johnston had a foothold in the game, and even Mark McGee's team talk didn't do anything because St Johnston came out and had the upper hand, big style, for the first 15 to 20 minutes of second half. They get their goal, and that's where I think St Johnston let themselves down because the game was there for them to go and, go and win. And it would have been a massive win for them to do that. But they allowed Dundee back into the game and, and to be fair, Dundee created a couple of half chances, which, you know, on another day they might have got something out of it, there were only half chances. I've got to say, seeing Charlie Adam on the park and after ninety two minutes on the deck. And you know, you know things <laughs> yeah. are really desperate because Charlian does not have 90 minutes in him he, at, all. Yeah. at all. He, he would was knackered.
3: You could see his delivery from so Sentences. Are and you two saying
0: or? it was a collapse and not a dive? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw it from behind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't his finest moment. Put it B.
2: Gerrard, I think he thought a tackle was coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah that, he
3: was trying to use his experience <laughs> when a free kick for his team, but it did not go well.
2: I think a yeah, Raj smiled to himself. I but, laughed. but uh, Yeah. You know, Charlie Adam hasn't been Dundee's problem this season, as, as we've seen. No. You know, he's, he's been one of the, the, the top performers when he's played. We've shown he can in flashes that he still has the ability to, to you know, to, to turn games and, and to play at that level. But Dundee are a team for me that have too many boys at the wrong side of 30. Um, and you, you saw that, you know, they the Ran Out of Steam um, big style uh, and, and St. Johnston got all over the top of them. And we'll also see the fact that you've got young boys like like Max Anderson, who I thought was excellent in the first 20 minutes, mm. and we've seen this before from Max, he can't keep it going in games, and he, he doesn't just, he doesn't just sort of, he's not on the ball, he drifts right out of game time, mm-hmm. and that's where you're, you're talking about experience, that's when you're experienced players, you're not going to be doing it all the time for 90 minutes of a game, but when you fall out of a game, you've still got to do a job in that yeah. area and stop the opposition, and he, he drifts in and out of games, and that's what Max has to improve on, but I'm sure it will come, the lad's got ability, but, um, the bigger picture is Dundee are, are staring down the barrel. Um, the fact is they simply have been the worst team in the league. I've seen them all season. I've thought it for a long time. Their squad simply is not good enough. They're, they're well short of cover in, in areas. We've seen that throughout the season when you've had areas at left back. Like Jordan Marshall who's a good player for Dundee no cover when he goes out of the team so Kami Kerr was going to have going over to left. They've, they've not brought in appropriate cover for uh, uh, Big Ashcroft at the back when he's, he's been injured. They've not replaced him well enough. Up front the, the, the worst thing I can say is Sheridan gets injured in October I think it was George something like that yeah. maybe the start of November hmm. At St Mirren Achilles goes he's out for the season never replaced never brought in a forward starter. stature there should have been a big forward came in in the transfer window and it didn't happen and I feel sorry for a guy like Zach Run who's come in and had, you know, he's just a young lad Dundee fans are putting their hopes on him he spent most of his time on the bench and you saw it on Saturday when he came on maybe try to save the game for Dundee he's lacking minutes on the park Alan, mm. he's, you know, you yeah. look, there's balls coming in the box, which maybe a, a, an on on the ball, Mark, uh, Zach Rodden, a boy who had games under his belt, would have got an end of and he was mistiming his jumps, and and Dundee fans were getting that my wee bit, I think we've got to give Zach Rodden a wee bit of slack, yeah, Is at Dundee for the next couple of seasons, let's see where he goes and how he does, I think he's, I think he's a, a lad who has possesses a bit of talent, we've seen that in the championship, I think he's been unfortunate coming into a Dundee team who are struggling and were expecting too much from him. The bottom line is, Dundee are going to the championship. There's no doubt about that. They're going up to Aberdeen on Saturday. Mathematically, if they get a result up there, um, they, they can still they can still do it. Um, but the likelihood is, Aberdeen boss Jim Goodwin is under serious pressure himself. They've just lost a home to uh, Livingston. They've lost a home to Ross County. They've missed out on the top six. He's, he's getting a tour of time himself. Hmm. The fans are now looking at him going, yeah. have we got the right man in? He knows this is a massive game for themselves because they are actually talking about it. If St Johnston, they're not thinking about Dundee... But they're thinking if they do not pick up three points on Saturday, they might and they might just get dragged into that, you yeah. know, that, that playoff slot at the bottom. So Dundee have won five games all season. How can you expect them to win the last four? You know, I think I think have got to go and, they've got to put a brave face on so I'm sure Mark McGee will and, and give it their all. But it's just it's just it's just a matter of time, Tom. That's effectively.
0: Yeah, I mean Alan, that's maybe their one ray of hope. It's Aberdeen have been so bad. Under Jim Goodwin, which is a huge, huge surprise—a man who was nearly Dundee manager a few seasons hmm.
1: ago—I think I'm kind of with Bear on this. I think this is a really bad time to be playing Aberdeen because uh, this, I agree with you as this well. seems to be the That's week. That's a Dundee fans' perspective. <laughs> yeah, of every game. but you you look at the noise coming out of Pottodry this week, and this seems to be the week where they've decided well, hold the bus. this is a relegation battle. This is getting really real. And I think that's the slap in the face. That's the wake-up call that a squad that's been pretty comatose for the last couple of months maybe needs. I think that it's a reality check. And for the first time in a long time probably, I think probably looking at going and facing an Aberdeen team that's got something to play for. You know, they've been in this weird hinterland of mediocrity for so long that I think... The fact that there's some stakes to this match and the manager and the players have made it clear that they've now realised the stakes makes it a really bad time for Dundee to go up there. And I think there's also the factor that Dundee are trying to chase down the wrong team in the bottom six. Mm. I think we all saw that St Johnston were abject for the first 25 minutes at Dens Park, but at the same time, of the last five games they've won two and drawn two the only game they've lost was at Celtic Park which although it was a hammering it's you know it's a game at Celtic Park they wouldn't have expected anything from that so just as we've got no right to expect Dundee to win games we've also got no right to assume that St Johnston are not going to win games over the next period so yeah I mean um, it, was it's, it's, it's fair my
0: impression of last Saturday for instance was okay St Johnston team have a really bad 25 minutes half an hour but the next hour, if anyone was going to win, I thought people were a wee bit generous. Both Oops. sides seemed to say a draw was a fair result. I I thought it was a a draw, come a St Johnston victory.
1: I thought St Johnston should have won, Aye. and I thought That's it was a little bit I must be honest. with a little bit more daring. Do as the game went on, I thought St Johnston had the quality to win it. But <laughs> it's I mean it's fundamentally St Johnston were probably looking at that thinking a draw is okay. So whilst we probably have the quality to win the game are you going to risk losing it to win it? And the answer to that mm. is probably no, because they weren't the team that needed to win that match. Dundee were. So uh, whilst uh, I'm, I'm with you, Tam, I thought St Johnston were, were marginally the better team, not so much so that they were going to Did risk losing it. I do.
3: Yeah. I think um, they had the majority of the game, but they also created more chances. Their finishing was absolutely abysmal. I have to say <laughs> particularly in the first half, they let Dundee off a, a few times, um, and Ian Lawler, who we may talk about, uh, made some good saves uh, to deny them.
0: Well, that's the next problem I talk about, isn't it? I mean, I, th- yeah. I thought the goalkeeper made some good saves just before the St. Johnson equaliser. Some great, brave defending from the Dundee defence. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the kindest word I can use to describe the defending at the St. Johnson equaliser is passive. The They the sort of looked, just watched, the ball yep. come over and it would be nodded into the net. And that, again, is that a Dun- been a Dundee problem all season that they they do some things that you admire, but it doesn't last ninety minutes.
2: Yeah, I mean they would be really disappointed. And I know St we were well on top at that point in the game, but they'll be really disappointed always a goal like that because the corner kick isn't whipped in. It's one of these as oh, high floaty it's like ones that drifts just over, comes into the six yard box, and I was. I, I was watching it from the Bobby Cox stand, and I thought at the time, I thought that looks that looks pretty close into the goal. Then, mm. when I saw it, I thought, and from the Bobby Cox stand, I thought that maybe maybe Lawler had been blocked because in the first half I was watching the they were surrounding the goalkeeper. But when you see it, how close in it is, he's got to make a better fist of it. If you're like you know, to get to the ball, he's six foot five. Tom, he's got to force his way through there, even even just to put Rooney off. Now, the one thing I would always say if you're a goalkeeper is. You know, there's Dundee the defenders there as well. Somebody's got to be marking Rooney and stop him getting yeah. that jump. But as soon as Rooney gets his head on the ball, he's he's going to score because he's only a couple of yards out, and it's it's just such a disappointing goal. And as well as Ian Lawler has done, George, and I think he's he's made a, a few good saves. I'm starting to think back now and look. You, you can point the yeah. finger, maybe maybe not really harshly at him, but you know, he always could, could he have done better? The goal against, you know, that both goals against United. Hmm. And there's other, other times as well, you know, so where Dundee were, they basically needed a goalkeeper who was going to be brilliant in every single game and not but not make mistakes, mm. not make the errors. And, and, you know, I'm afraid to say that, you know, he's not covered himself in glory in, in these situations, um, but it's just this pure poor goal all around for Dundee to lose. I,
3: I think he, he's shown why he's the subkeeper, I think. He yeah. does well for large parts but there is a mistake in him and I think losing Adam Legstons has has been just as big as probably Lee Ashcroft as well, I think Legstons adds a lot to the the team, not just being a goalkeeper but being a presence Um, I was
0: about to say because in in fairness to everyone concerned Legstons made a few mistakes but he does have that presence, he still seems to have an influence over those around him doesn't he?
2: Yeah, I, I like Legs. As he was fantastic coming up, he was one of the main reasons I would say him and Paul McMahon did got promoted promoted uh, last season. The great run they went on, yeah, Legsins was absolutely solid at the back. You had a had a a, a, a wee dip dipping form, I think. You know, coming up towards November time, um, which harms to goalkeepers. Hmm. You know, you, that that's one thing. But uh, um, yeah, it has been it has been a, it has been a big loss uh, not having him there. I think he was he was. You're right. He would come for more balls and be a bit more of a calming influence. I think Ian Lawler looks a, a bit shaky on pass backs at certain times. Yeah. He looks a bit shaky even when he's taking crosses sometimes. I think that's right. It's probably because he has spent well. You could you could say the same about Adam Legden as well. Of course, he's spent a lot of time, you know, not being a first choice goalkeeper. Yeah,
0: yes. um, I would. I'd actually point out in fairness to the manager, Did you see the Villarreal keeper?
2: No, sorry, missed that one time. He had a couple
0: of punches when both feet were yeah. on the ground. So. It's
2: no easy to find
0: a decent keeper. <laughs> nah. That's a Champions League th- semi-final. You know what,
2: Thomas? I it's, it's always say this. It's not just your goalkeeper. It's it's the whole the combination of the goalkeeper and the two centre-halves. And have you every one of these guys are on the same they way. have never came off his line Every one way. of these guys are on the <laughs> same way. That's why he needed centre-halves. I mean, I'll, I, I mean, look at Andy Gorham. He never came off yeah, his never, line. Yeah, never. Never a step. Never came off his line because he knew that. they knew that. The, 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 so the, the defence knew yeah. that. Head yeah. header away. Header away and you've all got to cover one another um, but uh, yeah I, I heard talk that maybe you should have played the young lad I think it's tough in it? yeah, I, don't, I don't think so I think you, you stick by experience. where well, the young lad did well he, to be fair the one thing that they, they were doing when the young lad was in the goal the centre halfs never let any balls come into that they yeah, never, yeah. mm-hmm. never stood back and said "Keeper, you come and collect that ball they basically went I'm heading this away but yeah. they're, they're not waiting for it mm-hmm. and maybe that's what they should have had their minds on on the game on Saturday you know but
1: Harry Sharp, I thought, looked... I mean, I covered the the game he played against Rangers yeah. and he looked a decent shot-stopper. Yeah. You know, that's what you would say about him. You know, he, he made a couple of really sharp, low saves and you thought, well, there's definitely something there in terms of shot-stopping, but see being a dominating uh, goalkeeper that knows your angles, knows when to come for the ball, makes the right judgments. Yeah. There's nothing to suggest that... He has that in his game, just not, quite yet. There's, there's so much more to be, you know being a decent goalkeeper than uh, mere shot stopping, and the, you have to trust yeah, that. Yeah,
2: there's, there's a bit to go, there's yeah, a bit to totally. go further, and I think he's probably. I mean, if it's not at Dundee, if he has to go out and get games, you know, somewhere at a lower level where he's actually playing regularly. I think we saw that <laughs> when we brought Scott Bain to Dens. He was very much well a young man, yeah, yeah, because he'd been playing in a championship-winning team at Aula, you know. He was coming and taking balls, he was coming and kicking balls, he was he was he was quite comfortable with mm. And very much, very much, although still a young man, confident in his own ability to, you know, to be to be a good keeper. And I think Harry's still a wee bit behind the curve on that one. He needs to right. progress.
0: On on that score, Alan, or anybody else who cares to speak, Mark McGee's not had a lot of praise, but he's an experienced manager and instead of folding to the, the calls, because the young lad was the it's the form keeper at Dents just now, but a manager's got a, a responsibility to, to an employee, never mind the team, and has he done the right thing not throwing the, the lad in?
1: I think so. I don't think a relegation battle behind a defence that you can argue isn't quite functioning the way it should be is the right place to be blooding a young goalkeeper because... If you're the goalkeeper that really struggles as Dundee are relegated, that's a tough thing to bounce back from yeah. as, a, as a young it can, goalkeeper. It can and be career
0: ending in terms of the level he's yeah. want to
1: be at. And that's us just talking about mentality. You know, I mean, Bear and I, they are just, it's more about ability at this stage of his career as well, because you need to trust the coaching staff and the goalkeeping coach at Dundee that they're seeing things like his movement, his anticipation, his positioning, things that are really difficult to teach in training sessions and maybe saying, you know what, he's maybe not quite ready for, for senior football just yet. And I've got absolutely no doubt that he'll be a, a fine goalkeeper, but needs a, a loan spell to go out and play every single week and to make a couple of mistakes, to realise when it's just not on to come or when you need to come out and clean things up. Things that are... Almost impossible to teach in training sessions and I don't think, whilst I do understand some fans will be screaming at their, their mobile devices at the moment and saying, oh, well, how's he going to learn if you don't play him? I, do you I, not I, listen I'd...
0: to this on the wireless?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you do. But um, I, uh, I, I think... Top flight relegation battle for a club of Dundee stature. I don't think that's the place where you, you you learn the game and make your mistakes. I think you need to do that slightly further down the uh, down the chain. But um, so whilst there's many sticks to with which to beat Mark McGee, I, I wouldn't. I don't think his choice of goalkeeper is one of them. I think Ian Lawler would be the the person I would also pick. Moving on, George.
0: Mainly because Morvan, our producer, is telling me to.
1: It <laughs> so looks bored already. <laughs> thank goodness there's one professional in the room. <laughs>
0: goodness me. She so won't thank us for that. Anyway,
3: Tim Keys was there last Saturday. What's he been saying? Um, not very much. <laughs> it was in and out, I think, from what I understand. It was, uh, George, blind, you say,
2: not it? very much? How How much exactly did he say? I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, <it's> not, <laughs> I don't know. George George is in a
0: very generous I thought George after Queen of the South relegation would be really bitter this week. He's he's been really generous to everybody. He said he said nothing. Now uh, again Omer and this It strikes me at a time like this, leadership dictates. And and we all know that there are perfectly good reasons why tim Keys hasn't been able to come over Hmm. is it what is it two and a half three years since he's been he was
3: at uh, he was actually at the aberdeen game at the start of the season which i'd forgotten about oh he was uh,
0: uh, he he can't rally the troops then it's the start of the season they were they're on a high i totally understand why he wasn't saying too much then but but instead of putting videos out about a stadium that might be built sometime in the future or Whatever. Surely, he, surely he had to speak. Surely he knows if he wants people to buy season tickets next season. Uh, and I, I, I the few times I met him, I found him a pleasant, mm-hmm. nice man who spoke well. Surely it was
3: time for the owner to speak. You'd think so, but it makes me wonder how much notice he actually takes of the football rather than the business side of things uh, and just leaves John Elms to, to deal with everything. Um, he is the chairman, but it's in name only, really, isn't it? It's his money, but John Nelms runs the show. I think that's quite clear that that's the way it works. He o- says he watches the games and stuff. Probably does. Maybe. Don't know. I don't know what he gets up to on a Saturday over over in America, but. Um,
0: but, 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 but I mean, I, I, I go. But he
3: but, should be speaking, you are yeah.
0: right? Yeah, may, may I I go back to me, our great friend, our former. On-field leader, and for a short while colleague here at the Evening Telegraph, Barry Smith, when he was Dundee captain, used to say, "Oh, Tom, I did not like speaking." And but when you said Barry, this is a time to speak. Hmm. Barry spoke because he was captain. Hmm. Now this is the whole club's future. That's again, uh, you know, like not in doubt as a an entity, perhaps. But where are Dundee going to? F- position themselves now in Scottish football surely that it, it, this was a time that key should have put a half an hour an hour aside to speak and get the message out to the fans that okay we're going we might go down but yeah there's still a future here well I mean I, I, I don't understand
2: I, why I, I didn't speak I mean as I'm a, not being I'm not blasting them here I just don't understand <laughs> I mean, as a journalist, we'd love him to speak, and, and yeah. it, you know, but it's just something he doesn't do. And as a fan, it's frustrating, Tom, because I'd like I'd like to hear him speak, and even if it's just the, the the club TV. So the the questions are actually you know they can be scripted if you like. Mm. And let's just hear what he's got to say. Let's, I'd like to hear what's still in it for him, Tom. What, yeah, what do what, yeah. what what they get out of it? I mean, if he's not, it's almost coming, a decade now, not,
0: and I've not really achieved not, any of he's, the
2: he's, he's not coming over as much as, as probably he like. Obviously, there are reason again reasons for that in the past few years, but the, 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 even before that, they weren't sort of at dens every second week. And I know he's got John Nerns who rarely speaks as well, but it'd be good to hear Tim Keyes. Just come across and, 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 you know, even if it was just, as I say, club TV and say, hmm. this is this is why I'm still here. This, these are the aims. This is where we, we're hoping to be. We are still in this for the long term. And, and I know John Nelms has actually said that, but it'd be good to see
3: Tim Keys actually say oh, well, it. Well, his money. It's really, and, exactly. Yeah.
2: And I've got, what I'll say as well, Tom, and uh, I've said this before on the podcast, where Dundee have been in the last 20 years, the American owners have been absolutely solid. They've kept absolutely it. solid.
0: Hey, they pay the wages on time.
2: They do. They do. I mean, they've made some wrong decisions along the way, and that has cost them, you know, and they will be, they will be, they will be, they will know that themselves. They're pumping the money in, but as we say, all the bills are getting paid. You know, there isn't any, any disputes over contracts. They've made wrong decisions, but it'd be good to see what's, ask them, what is still in it for you, Tim? Do you, do you, what's the buzz for you? just coming over here once every blue hmm. moon and then and then getting out again. You know, I, I, I don't understand it because it's certainly not financial gain. That's a fact, Dan, because yeah. there's no money in it. So it's disappointing that he, he, he's there, you see the pictures, he's gone. Yeah. He doesn't speak.
0: And I mean, Alan, we're for for decades, longer, we're told the Americans are the, the great communicators. Hmm.
1: I guess the concern. Dundee get the exception. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess the concern is, and, and George alluded to it a little bit there, is that he's not speaking because he has nothing to say because he's not engaged because he doesn't watch the team. He doesn't have a fire, a passion. Does he watch the games on a Saturday, as we say? Who knows? It's, he says he does, is, or he has says in the past. Is it, it, so it? it's just as yeah. uh, is, is this just an investment that he? plows a certain amount of money in and stands back and it just ticks along without him and John Nelms occasionally uh, feeds back reports and gives him a vague idea of what's going on. If that was the case, then perhaps he doesn't want to sit down for half an hour because he knows that he wouldn't have a great deal to say about the project because it's not something he's entirely engaged with. That's a, a rather that's a negative outlook on things. But at the same time, we're we're forced into conjecture and speculation because we don't really get the chance mm. to, to chat to him, which is a frustration for uh, the people in this room, and a frustration probably even more so for for supporters because they are the ones that really want to hear from these people.
0: I mean, but if it was the case, George, that he was no longer in,
1: engaged, right? I'm Sorry, I'll try to keep in range of them.
0: <laughs> Wait, see, I'm so exasperated, I'm, <laughs> I'm falling back and slapping my forehead. No. If it is the case he's not engaged, he's entitled to say that, and given the circumstances of the last three or four years in particular, a lot of people would understand. Mm. I mean, as long as he doesn't say I'm not, en- does it on Dixon say I'm not engaged? buy don't phone me. Pay the bills. <laughs> Find a way of paying the bills. And and the, and the, again, as Bear says, that's what we'll have to stress. Under Tim Key's ownership, the one thing Dundee have done is con- you know conduct their business. Off the field properly, and they pay their bills, mm. they pay their wages, and and they conduct themselves in a, a, a in a nice manner. But you just don't know if they still want to be there.
3: Well, I th- I've I've come more to the, the thinking that the football is is a bit more incidental than than maybe we realised, and that the whole stadium project is the the thing for them that where they're going to make money. And the football is just part of it, and whether even that surely
0: that but it's fine to come out and say that because if he's got a, if he's going to have a stadium and a successful complex up at Camperdown Park, he needs a football team to play in that stadium. Yeah. So that's that's an assurance. That's the kind of secure future that Dundee very often haven't had in the last thirty years. Yeah, and that surely that's okay to say.
3: He thinks so, he hasn't said anything, so don't know. Come on, Tim. Come on, the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. We even got a translator for you for my
2: accent. I think George is right. Sorry, Tim, just before we move on. Could, that could be the bigger picture. You know, the football is now incidental and it is, uh, you know, that building of the new stadium where there, there is money to be made. They bought the ground, certainly. It's, 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 uh, there, are, there are major, major hurdles, as we've spoken about before, before they get anywhere near putting a shovel in yeah. the ground, yep. as John Nelm says. But that's still the—that's still there. So we just want to speak to him and come and, and tell us. That's, that's the thing. What's in it for him?
3: And we could have done with finding out what he thought of Martin McGee's interviews last week as well.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I noticed. I noticed here his tie (laughs) as high up his shirt as it possibly could be. Wise man, but to to try to cheer Bear up if no one else. A happy anniversary, Bear.
2: What's that for? (laughs) Oh no,
0: he's He's now got a worried. Oh no, should (laughs) I be buying
2: flowers for the night? No, (laughs) I know. I've got to say, um. What are your memories of that great uh, day yeah, 60 uh, years ago? Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, and probably, you know, given where I've watched football for the last 57 and a half years, I was just just before I arrived on this planet. Um, but i have certainly heard about it since then, I've got to say. You know, we keep uh, regurgitating it. Um, Dundee's great, great championship win. And I think it's... As well as the championship win, it was more a great era for Dundee, Tam. There was European football involved as well. You know, that, that followed on from that when they went to the semi-finals of the European Cup. Great nights at Dens when they not only beat teams, they absolutely murdered teams at yeah. Dens. Top, top European sides. And my first ever Dundee game was against Cologne. Wow. It wasn't yeah. it? One
0: though, no, it was, no, that was the UEFA Cup ten years <laughs> later.
2: <laughs> I know, and
0: <laughs> which was an unbelievable game.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's great memories and the, and the players are we, we talk about legends, but the players who played at that time are rightly legends because of what they did at the club guild scene and you know guys like Bobby Cox, and mm. you, George, you
3: tried to, tried to get him this digit- week. I wasn't that, able to no, get hold of him. Digit- but,
0: oh, yeah. I know. I, I, I spoke to Ian you a couple of times. He's, he's he a great? very nice man. He's brilliant. But honestly. If you ask him a stupid question,
3: he lets you know. <laughs> I'd, sp- I'd spoken to him... Uh, I asked the- him a few. <laughs> I'd spoken to him during the lockdown. Uh, and it- His memory is great considering it's 60 years ago. Yeah. Um, and he's, what, 82 now, I think. Is he? No. Um, although he-, he was in the middle of lockdown. He was moaning that he-, he couldn't get to the football and he couldn't get to the bookies. That's all he was interested in. <laughs> it uh, still has a different kind of era, but um, no, and some of his recollections were, were absolutely brilliant. Although he said he couldn't remember the uh celebrations, don't think no. maybe it tells, tells you there's maybe a reason for why, but I mean, 60 years,
0: yeah. Well, I'll tell you a story for years ago 25 years ago. I spoke to him, uh, well, actually, maybe it'd be 20 years ago, <laughs> it was a 40th anniversary piece, and uh, forgetting, forgetting that, uh, as Dundee fans are, are wont to do, Ian Ewer and Alan Gilzean both had to fight Dundee when they were leaving a couple of years later. So they've got good and bad memories of their time at Dens Park. I asked he, I asked Ian Ewer if his fondest memories of his football career were his time at Dundee. And he said, don't be ridiculous, laddie, I played for Arsenal, they'd they're <laughs> players like gods. <laughs> Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> well, th-
3: th- th- I saw an inter- interesting photo of him signing for Arsenal. Arsenal manager was there, but so was Shankly.
0: Yeah, th- that was a thing though, in those days. That's so how they did it. it. Yeah, it wasn't uh, pre bosman It was a different world, George. You hear stories from older players of the, the manager said, "Get your, get your stuff, get dressed quickly after training. You're coming with me," right. and they would be yeah. in a car heading for a sort of a hotel halfway between them and the buy-in club and the manager going, go, ah, you're signing for. <laughs> and, that, and it was basically, the, the, yeah. the, there was no agents or anything like that.
2: Of course, it was in an era when, when clubs like Dundee could win the, the, the championship. It was still there. The, the fans were still turning up in numbers. Um, you know, nowadays it would be impossible to do that, Tom, because you, you, you're, what you're seeing at the team, maybe Dundee United... Going a, a good run in, in, in a season, a couple of the players do particularly well. For, you know where they are. They're, they're away. They, you know you, you can't build a team nowadays. Mm. Jim McLean was able to build a team at paradise You know I, I, what didn't happen overnight. We saw big, yeah. we saw development from maybe the late 70s through the 80s, the early 80s, and then obviously by the time they the, the win the championship in the early 80s, and, he, and then he takes on. But that just wouldn't happen nowadays. A lot of these players would be pinched by clubs where. where they're I coach. mean,
0: touch took Jim McLean six or seven yeah. years to, 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 to win United's and first he had, trophy. And he had to lose a few players along the way. Andy Gray, Gray and, and
2: Ray Stewart. And- uh,
0: even, even after the start of getting successful that he had to sell yeah. Raymond Stewart. But it, it, it was tough. Uh, and when you said that, the teams like Dundee could win the league. Team, teams like Dundee and United up until 30 odd years ago could challenge for the European Cup as was then. More of that later. Right to round up, as I just as I just mentioned, uh, there was a time. I don't think Alan and George were over the surf <laughs> though. That um, boys like Beard and I could dream, dream of the team winning the league and then doing well in a European Cup. Um, since it's the Champions League, as it's now known, semi-finals, uh, first legs this week. How times have changed. That a club like Villarreal from one of the top four leagues in the world are considered the shock troops because they've reached the semi-final of the Champions League. And mm. I have to say, they looked well short of Liverpool.
3: Well, that's the thing. The, the gap, even between the top teams across Europe, never mind the Scottish teams, it's absolutely huge. The Liverpool and Man City in particular, they're just miles ahead in terms of Managers, money, players, everything.
1: I saw a bit of criticism for Villarreal's performance against Liverpool in the way that they tried to be structured and stoic and not concede anything. With um, you know some pundits on some loudmouth, shouty radio stations slamming them, and honestly, it's it's incredibly tedious because these same radio stations don't seem to realise that it's the money that's flowing through English football that's completely altered the mm. makeup of European football that means teams have to play in a certain way to have any chance against the riches and the completely uneven uh, playing field that there is in Europe. Now I've got nothing but respect for Villarreal for reaching the semi-finals and I would have loved to see them give another couple of superpowers a bloody nose along the way but in the end as George says there's just it's, That's him sacked! Yeah, <laughs> <Well, no, man, laughs> don't I diss say, don't the I? pool on this show! <laughs> Nah, I was wearing I, yellow last night. Come on, I, I oh. just—it's more—it's not, not absolutely nothing to do with Liverpool. Absolutely nothing to do with Liverpool. Oh, more to do with definitely uh, to do with Liverpool for me. <laughs> it's more to do with English—the uh, the money that's flowed into English football that's completely altered what was at one point a relatively even playing field in uh, in European football to the point where even good sides like Villarreal have little choice but to defend against Liverpool and ultimately with what a wonderful side that Jurgen Klopp's built. Even then, they weren't able to to get anything from the game. But honestly, to see people criticise the way Villarreal went about the game, just, that can get in the bin.
0: Well, cover your ears, Alan, because, Bear, to to admit to a big dose of hypocrisy here, I've been moaning (laughs) the past couple of weeks looking, because, I mean, outside these top four leagues, Paris Saint-Germain, who are one of the richest two or three clubs in the world, in the last 18 seasons, uh, I think it'll be because we know who the finalists will come from. It's... They're the only team outside the top four leagues in Europe that have contested the championship, the Champions League final. Now, I've been bemoaning that because it means even Rangers and Celtic, who probably play to decide the league this weekend or possibly, they've not got a realistic chance anymore of uh, winning the, the Champions League. And I, I don't think that's a good thing. problem is... When I watch that game, I'm like, after, and never mind being a Liverpool fan. After 20 minutes of watching Villarreal, who I understand why, refusing to come out their own half, I'm like, get off. Yeah. Honestly, I watched I watch Man, Man City, Real Madrid. And in the end, that's why I pay. I pay to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And however understandable teams are, when it actually comes to the game, I don't want to watch 11 players within... 30 yards of their own goal for most of a 90 minutes.
3: Well, yeah. Liverpool should give away some of their money then, no? Well, yeah.
0: it's. Players.
1: It's not Valhalla's job to entertain you, it's their job to win football matches. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, but it's BT's BT Sports' <laughs> job to entertain me, so they need to go. I mean, th- uh, this is the problem. I mean, I do, I mean, I admit to being a hypocrite because I it really, well, even the five subs thing worries me because it allows the bigger teams to sign even more yeah. big players and, and other clubs as Sean Dykes kept saying when he was Burnley boss we can't put five subs on like they can put on and and that worries me and, 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 and the way that the Champions League money's structured yeah. the longer you're getting to the knockout stages like the Liverpools the Real Madrid's the Man City's are the bigger bigger share of the the, yeah. the, the, the revenue you get but at the same time I, I still want to be entertained Tom, and there, and, yeah. and I have to say there, there I wouldn't
2: there pay to watch Villa Real. there is a gap between the half and the half knots in in European football absolutely and it's only going to get wider and wider and it's down to one thing greed greed and although we don't you know we're a million miles away from it here on you know in teams One Street but we're seeing it in our league as well because I'm watching Celtic and Rangers and they are now moving away from the rest in Scottish football there are so many games now I mean I go and watch Dundee as much as I can I go to the way games as much as I can but I'm watching games against the old firm that are becoming training sessions yeah. effectively. I mean, not every game, and and every game that you watch isn't in in the Champions League. with the big teams isn't brilliant. But the gap is there. These teams are becoming so strong. Well, there's like Tom said. It's not just eleven players. It's you know we've got a, we've got a second eleven who we mm. could put on the park that would do just as well. And, and, and
0: keep a lot of them happy with the five subs thing
2: and you, exactly and we've seen we saw the, was it the European Super League that got kicked into touch but they're coming in the back door Tam, and that is going to arrive via the Champions League in some shape or form and the money will continue to hemorrhage towards the clubs at the top where the clubs at the bottom don't get nearly as much and you know what can we do about that I'm, I don't know Tom. Not, not, I've am not. i not got the answer to that one I'm afraid I and Alan
0: it's bare sense even here in Scotland isn't it? Say so we've got the big old firm game. Uh, it's really Rangers' last chance uh, uh, to to challenge for the league. But I think I know I'm right in saying this in the history of Scotland's top division. I can't remember exactly the the number of years, but this is the longest uh, it's ever gone without someone other than Rangers or Celtic winning the league at least once. That's not going to change for a while, is it?
1: No, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Celtic and Rangers are the team that get into Europe. They get the European money. They get the biggest share of the pie. They invest that in the team. And so it goes on, so it goes on, and it just keeps rising and rising. So, I mean, much the same as the point I made about Villarreal is, you know, when a Livingston or or a St Mirren go and get a gutsy draw against Celtic, it's. I find it equally distasteful when if you get Celtic fans that will say, "Oh, why would you want to watch that? Why would you want this? Why would you want that?" It's, it's just the way that certain teams have to play, and that is the the makeup of Scottish football now. Bears absolutely right. There's a gulf there between Celtic and Rangers and the rest of the league, and ultimately you just need to do uh, what you can to try and bridge that gap. And often it'll be ugly. It might be attritional, but. It's it's just the fact of the matter Because football finances aren't changing We've got a little microcosm of it In Scottish football with the way Celtic and Rangers Can run away with things financially You might even get this weird situation Where you have hearts in a sort of middle ground Now that they're going to yeah. be getting group phase football That's a that's a hell of a lot of money That'll stretch to 3-4 million quid So they, if they spend that right Could establish themselves in a sort of middle ground Of being a, a third force if you like So that all becomes a, a, a spiral a, You know, a, a just a, a circle that feeds itself, and that's what's happening in European football, and it happens in microcosm and, and, and Scottish football as well. But the other interesting thing about the old firm game this weekend, obviously, is with the fact that Celtic can effectively win the league. But if they fail to win, say they draw, they're coming when you factor in the goal difference, they'll be coming to Tannadice and uh, potentially having a, a, a you know a title party at Tannadice, which would be a, a, an interesting one further down the line. That's
0: not what the home fans will call it. No, exactly. <laughs> It'll be a five minutes to go. Let's get out of here.
1: Well, I mean, it's a. It would be a, an intriguing one if you know the results go the way they need to go for that game to um, to, to still matter. That Dundee United would have a chance to be kind of party poopers because in recent years it's been a strange kind of quirk that quite a few teams have celebrated title ones at, at Tannadice, and I can only imagine the home fans are incredibly sick of that. So the chance to maybe um, pop a a few metaphor, metaphorical balloons, if you like, would, would perhaps be welcome. Yeah, the best thing about the old firm winning, your, winning the league at your stadium is you get
0: away really quickly because all <laughs> the fans are <laughs> still <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> you get your work done and you get him. Right, that's all we've got time for. Thanks, guys. More next week. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find two teams, one street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Tele
1: Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetille.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.